When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. And today I'm in here with the beloved, respected, phenomenal, ridiculously talented Rhapsody. Oh, what an intro. That might have been the most flattering intro I've ever done. I don't know what just possessed me to do that. I love you too, man. Hey, appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing? I'm good. I'm tired, mm-hmm. but I'm good. But well, I'm thankful. What have you been doing? Because you waited for me. Oh, I, I, yeah, I guess we are. We're waiting an hour and a half. I didn't uh, even notice. I was playing Tetris in there and listening to your music <laughs> on blast as your assistant here can attest. I'm good. You know, I'm doing that, those album promo runs. Mm. You know, I just left doing voiceovers. Voiceovers for what? A food delivery service. Really? That's the best I can say. And wait, so you have, is this what it is to be a poppin' artist these days is that you just have like a Postmates brand deal collab? So it's like, I'm Rhapsody and you should order a Big Mac and get my album with it or something. Is it yes. a bundle? Is it a bundle? Yeah, like you order Postmates and you just get a Rhapsody CD. That, and know, then you go platinum and you go platinum just because you did it with a million Postmates Yo, orders? No, that's an idea. See how you did that? Well, there's somebody out there that's like honestly thought about that. Yo, but it it matters who does it first. Mm. That's the bar. Well, DJ Khaled did it with energy drinks. We're going to do it with fast food. Straight like that, because everybody loves Postmates, DoorDash. What else? Do you have a bundle deal with your album? Is this something you I even do. thought about? It's a merch thing, probably? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It is. I got fly jackets, vinyl, T-shirts, stickers, pins. There you go. Yep. Well, uh, did you think... Is, is that in any way unsettling to have to take part in such strange music industry traditions that we now have i actually enjoy the bundles it allows you to get creative Mm. you know and think of album sales outside of traditional nobody's going to the record stores no more so Mm -hmm. you know just like yo what can what can i think of outside of the box is somebody like i'm gonna just put my name on some boxers Mm -hmm. you know and put them in a bundle. No, I totally respect it because I feel like if you do it the right way, it could be a really fun, creative, exactly. not gross expression of your brand. And then when it's like, you know, like a Walmart thing or something, <laughs> it's just kind of sometimes it ends up just feeling kind of yucky. Exactly. Yeah. Nah, I'm with it. You know, that's right. just me though. It's crazy because the only people who sell CDs at this point are like the people who are able to just somehow appeal to that tiny percentage of the country who still buy CDs. That go to Target. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's not me. No. Everybody. You've got nuanced customers that know what they're doing. No, they not buy no CD. Vinyl, no, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The vinyl probably moves, on that huh? vi- Yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Label was like, yo, you did great on vinyl last album. Really? It was Annie Up. Well, yeah. this was the year 
that vinyl first outsold CDs since the 70s or since like CDs came out, I guess in the 80s. Oh, this year? See, I was thinking it was three years ago. Well, I'm yeah, late. it's been going up like crazy, okay. but I guess this is the first, first year, year it actually fully passed it. Oh, so we right on time. Yeah. And it helps when you make great music because that's like a collector's edition. That's a fact. I want somebody to open my vinyl 30, from years, 30 years from here and hear the dust on it. And some music, you can't even get a physical version now, though. No. Which is kind of troubling. I've thought about becoming a record guy, having a record collection. You should. Mm, it's a I, thing. Because I have no physical connection with the music that I love, you know? And I, I find that kind of disturbing to think that, you know, there might be a, a mixtape that I listen to 30 times on my fucking, in my car. I love it. I have such a close relationship with it for that period of time. But then when I'm done with it and I move on to the next album that I'm listening to, there's there's nothing that remains. It's like, I don't, like, back, that would have that exact same experience with CDs when I was a kid. But then that CD's sitting on the shelf and you see that CD once in a while and you get that mental reminder, like, that really meant something to me and a lot of a lot of kids who listen to music and myself have kind of fallen into this is you just have nothing physical that connects you to it exactly you have nothing tangible to touch it's like photos like i like to go home and go through photo albums Mm. but it's not the same like to pick up a picture and be like dang versus looking at it let me go to march Mm -hmm. let me go to places and see where i was like exactly it's just different to be able to touch it having a memory yeah for me it's like i want that i'm like craving that mm-hmm. and in, in general it's, it's weird too because now everybody makes merch so like merch can't be the solution to physicals to like creating that connection because i feel like the merch thing has just become so sort of blown out i know merch is like super important to artists and everything but sometimes mm-hmm. it just seems like that has gotten taken to this absurd level yes it's normalized out i think i think we're all gonna go analog soon there's really? going to be a generation that rebels because everybody's going to be digital. It's going to be like, I don't want to do what y'all are doing. So we're going to go back to answering phones mm. on dial tones and having answering machines and Walkmans. Like, I really think that's the next move. And mm. I think Kanye is kind of ahead of that by doing like these Sunday services that are just out right. in the field and making it an experience. I feel like that's like the wave. It's like we've reached the limits of technology and its ability to connect us. I feel like to a certain extent as a society, we're sort of done with being just mystified with technology and thinking, oh, this is so great and we're going to just use this and this is going to replace everything in our lives. It feels like a lot of people, whether they've really tangibly said it in their head or not, they've sort of come to that realization that it's like, gatherings are really important being around people is really important like you know even the facetime call versus the text is really important you know yes people want to see you and really have a connection now Mm. like i find myself even talking more on the phone Mm -hmm. like like back in the day because it's crazy like a lot of people in the day they don't even know how to hold conversations right like they'll hit you be like yo what's your ig i'm just gonna dm you Mm. From across the room. I find that way when someone asks for your Instagram instead of uh, your phone, phone number, number because it's like, oh, so you want a way to contact me where you can also uh, keep an eye on the score that has been attributed <laughs> to my existence of how important I am. Gotcha. Exactly. That's what they mean, you know? Basically. All the most insecure guys I know are the ones who give the girl their Instagram immediately. Yo, that says something. Let me uh, show you my fake life. Check out my 30K. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right. My 30K in this picture with my glamour glow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes my pecs look a little bigger than they are. That's real. Talk to me about your early rap fandom because it just feels like when you listen to you, like you must have been such a rabid 
hip-hop fan and like you probably <laughs> had like a ridiculously intense love affair with it from early I did. on yeah. i did um i fell in love with it watching so many but mc light was definitely one let me tell you that method man all i need video wow but that took me that took me over the top like, really okay. yeah like that's when like the stories of it and how cool he was and he had on the Grand Hill Felas. So you kind of knew about that before you knew about uh, like Wu-Tang itself? That was like um, an entry point? No, I, I knew about Wu, but it was particularly that song and Method Man mm. that really just like, yo, because he was fine too. Oh, yeah. And Mary J. It was just something that was super cool about that particular video. Isn't it funny that they have Dave East on the Wu-Tang show playing Method Man? Because he's like the stereotypical good-looking rapper guy. guy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) When I saw the cast and I was like, Dave East. That makes sense. Right. (laughs) Because Method Man was and still is the sex symbol. I showed my girlfriend Dave East and she was just silent. And I just look at her and I go... You can say it's hot. <laughs> right. like, I, like you're so She's transparent. Like, I know that's just what you're not thinking. Say anything. <laughs> I'm like I don't care. You can just say that. That's what you're thinking. Is that oh, he's a good looking guy? <laughs> Did she say it? Yeah. And I just thought it was goofy as fuck that she thought I was like care. But I guess I understand because if it, if it was like my homie, right. then I maybe wouldn't want to hear it. No, not the homie. If your bro is hot, it's like I don't really know if I want to hear my girlfriend oh, that's like remind true, me. That's too close to home. If she's got a super hot friend, I'm probably not gonna mention it. No, you don't do that. You know, it's maybe in a context where it's relevant. It's not relevant be, all that time, all exactly. that often. Because if she ever comes around, she's going to be looking at you if you're looking at her. And it's always going to be a thing. We're so open, though. She knows I don't want anything. She knows I don't have any mental space for, like, actually liking other girls. See, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm. I, I don't that. think she's that worried about it. Okay, wait, yeah, so MC Light, Method Man, anything else in particular that stands out that helped uh, form your pedigree? Illmatic. Mm. I, I ran it at AZ, Sugar Hill, Queen Latifah, Fuji's, um, <laughs> Criss Cross. Really? You know, I went oh, that was that huge phase. for me in second definitely. grade. I definitely wore my pants backwards. Oh, yeah, I tried that one, too. I, I'm pretty sure my parents just yo, reprimanded me. Yo, yeah, those those were early. Like, when, where I was from, we didn't have, like, a bunch of mom and pop stores you can go get music. Mm. So I didn't necessarily listen to a bunch of albums. Everything I saw was a single. Like, remember when you get singles Mm -hmm. for a dollar? That's what I would get, or I was watching videos. Mm. So if it wasn't, you know, if they didn't have a video for it, if it wasn't a big single on the radio, a lot of times I missed a lot of that early hip-hop, and I had to catch up. Right. So that's probably another reason why All I Need really resonated me versus a whole Wu-Tang album. Right. Because I listened to, I didn't listen to 36 Chambers till. I was probably a senior in high school. Right. Yeah, I mean, f- that was what it was to be a rap fan at that time. You go to the CD store. For me, it would go to the yeah. CD store, and it's like you're you're gambling because it's like you <laughs> you know that you like, you know, I, I, I like bought like multiple like Ice Cube CDs that ended up being like not an Ice Cube CD you wanted, like some weird bootleg or like compilation thing like and you know and then then you just get the right one but i had no way to figure out which was the right ice cube cd to buy you took a chance yeah it's just like man i love you know this dmx but that that third album i was like dang Mm. this one ain't really hitting for me but yeah you always had to take a chance but a lot of times you came out on the on the better end and i say you would today because you were ex- you were exploring, and it, it was very much a, a system that rewarded people that were explorative, 
and that we're down to try new things. Whereas like to n- now to be a rap fan, when I think about it, it's such a strange thing where they have these perfectly curated playlists that are just like, this is the kind of person you are, this is what you need. And it's just mm-hmm. so manufactured and it's such a strange way and kids will never know how strange it is. No, and they don't know who they are, what they even like, because they wait for somebody to tell them, this is what you like. Mm. This is your playlist. This is like, you got to figure out what you like for yourself and who you are and what you want in your own playlist. But they can't even really do that nowadays. And that's a trip. Yeah. Because it's like, to a certain extent, these people know and we kind of know that the playlists, they're the product of artificial intelligence, basically. So they're actually better at predicting what you might like than what you currently know that you like right which is scary yes like they're better at knowing what i want than what i know that i want not me though (laughs) no you don't buy it (laughs) no i I, like tremendously respect people who have eclectic tastes especially in this age like people who like will throw on some dope shit from the 70s straight that's not just random like i wake up this is how i feel today like i'll go to the playlist because sometimes it's just like I don't know what I'm going to listen to today, mm. so let me see what they got. And I'm just like, I like this song, but all of these are not, like, I can't, I never find a playlist where it's just like, I can let this rock, ever. Mm. So, I am the anomaly in that. But it's funny, because, like, you're also an artist who's signed to a label, so you know that that's totally part of being an artist, <laughs> is that they're strategically working these connections to get you on all these playlists. Completely. Like, if you, if you land on Rap Caviar... It's like you just fucking hit the, the lottery. Yes, because when I landed on it, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Rap life. Mm-hmm. That check, just it was. it's like the Spotify lottery. Oh, I don't know. I haven't received one of those yet. This oh, is my okay. first year right. actually making it to that, that part of the game. So That's dope. We'll see. That's exciting. I just know that it's a thing and people really look for it and they listen to it. So mm. Exposure. I've listened to it a few times. I don't like, yeah, it sort of feels like it's just part of like the new, what it is to be a new rap fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a little bit disconnected from it. I get it. Cause we, we come from the same area. kind of. We are kind of the same, same age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our high school reunion. <laughs> so specifically in North Carolina though, were you, was there any sort of like local rap scene that you were a part of when, or when did you tap in with it? I'm sure there was, but probably took a little while for you to discover it. Uh, it was until I got to college. I went to NC state mm. and you know, where I'm from is a small country town. The rap scene was the back of the bus, you know, or you might go to somebody's crib and they just freestyling while they roll up blunts. Um, that was probably the extent of the rap scene where I grew up. So I went to college in, at NC State, and I was working at Foot Action. And I met who became my best friend, a guy named Charlie Smarts. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to the Raleigh rap scene. Like, he would take me to beat, ba- beat battles. He was in a band, so I started going to shows. And it's like I'm really finding my way, like, you know, learning who the Justice League is. At this time, I didn't even know who Little Brother and Ninth Wonder were. So he introduced me to all of that, and that's how I, I kind of got in it. Like, I went to a lot of shows, and though I knew I always wanted to do it, you know, I had examples of, you know, this is how it feels, and this is where you start at, like, in a small place, but you feel the energy. Um, he took to me to my first studio. You know, he he's the one that told me, like, get on the mic for the first time so I'm experiencing all of these things probably my sophomore on up in college 
and that's invaluable stuff because a lot of people who really want to make it in the rap world they're just so fucking close because they don't have any actual like real life interaction with it and that's kind of the main best thing you could get yeah no you gotta be of the culture and start there like we started we started a hip-hop organization on campus and we would we would go back to the grassroots like every friday we would have a cypher you know friday night or we rent out the event center in the bottom of the dorm and we had rap battles and i was always the host like it felt like eight mile, but on on campus, like the energy, like and learning, like this is really what the culture is, and and how it's supposed to be in free expression and rhyme, like that's where I started. Wow. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. Do you feel like when you look back on it, do you take it? Did you take it for granted? Because to have like a truly vibrant scene like that is a rare thing. To have mm-hmm. that many young people just all around each other are that excited about music. Yeah. If. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel, were, were you aware of how special that was oh, at that time? Because um, sometimes when you start working in, in the world and stuff, you start to kind of lose your, your zeal for that excitement. Yeah. Um, I knew it was special for me because I didn't have it before. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if you lived in the city or like a New York or a bigger uh, metropolitan area for us, like a Raleigh or Charlotte, LA, like, you get to experience those things a lot. You get to go to shows and, and see artists. Like, there's culture everywhere. There was none of that existed how I grew up. So when I got to college, I did appreciate it because I wanted it so much, but I only got to see it through TV. I only right. got to see it through movies, you know. So to actually be in it, to be hosting and be a part of it, like, I, I appreciated it like no other. Wow. So it was, it was different for me in that way um, versus somebody like... It's just a part of that everyday life. You Some know people who grow up in Harlem and shit. Yeah. And like, they just are like so used to seeing shit. Like, and bro, it's just that's what it's I mean. not like, as challenging, I guess. Yeah. Or even in LA, you can walk by the Supreme store, you like see rappers all day and shit. And it's just part of the everyday life. Yeah. Versus if that was my like, people would go crazy. They would go nuts. Like, even to go to New York and be like, dang, that's Sedgwick Ave. And people that live around there, they're like, hmm. Cedric Ave, I, I walk past this every day <laughs> where hip hop started, you know. So it's, it's just different. Right. It's a different appreciation. I was, like, I think that with the people in LA, when it comes to the weather so much, I'm like, man, you people have no fucking clue how nice this is compared to the <laughs> shitty ass weather I grew up in. Where'd you grow up? Like right outside Boston. Ooh, bro. New Hampshire. It's kind of legendary bro. for snow. It's definitely cold. <sighs> I, I really did not like, like cold. I went there like a week ago. I was like, we got to go back. Really? It's fall for real over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the leaves. People come from all over the country go, look at the leaves where I grew up. And that's a perfect example. I don't like, look, you want to look at the leaves? Because <laughs> they, they don't know yeah. nothing about the leaves changing color. Fucking leaves have always, they look the same. Like They've always been doing that my whole life. I never really thought about it. But yeah, I guess they are kind of beautiful. Oh, yeah. See, I, I, I noticed that too. I live in North Carolina and... It changes like that all the time. Mm. So yeah. I, when you start rapping, how quickly did you take to it? Were you were you tight at first? <laughs> Look, so I was tight lyrically with mm-hmm. words, but my the cadence flow. my okay, cadence yeah. was off. My cadence was off. My voice was off. It was super high pitch, mm. like dumb high pitch. Um, let me see my inflections. Like my joint was probably like real monotone. Mm. Like I hadn't, you, I did not sound confident at all, but I was lyrical. I've always been lyrical, so... That's that's been since day one. Um, I started out doing poetry, 
maybe like my 10th grade year high school, um, always read a lot, read books. So just the power to play with words and be creative. I was an artsy kid. I was wondering so. if you if you had a poetry background because, uh, yeah. yeah, my girlfriend makes me go to the poetry lounges sometimes. And I was definitely thinking <laughs> that. Makes me. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's not, it, once I get there, it's not a makes me thing. But she has to like yeah. put it in my calendar and make sure that I'm going to be there. Yeah, no, that that was a thing for me, cause so I knew I wanted to rap early, and I I tried it like eleven or twelve, like I tried. I'm gonna test it out on my brother. Uh-huh. You know, we was cleaning up one Saturday morning. I pulled a vacuum hose out and I tried to freestyle. And he was like, "Yo, you freaking suck!" Wow. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna just write poetry." You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna do that no more. Uh-huh. Um, that happened, and we had like a pet rally at, at our high school. And I've been practicing my, my freestyle that I wrote all day. And when I got the mic, I froze, you know. Wow, really? And so, yeah. So I was like, I'm just going to get into this poetry thing. Um, Whenever I'm at the poetry lounge, I'm always thinking about the poets as rappers. I'm like mm-hmm. sitting there being this like vulture-ass A&R, just thinking like, could he be a rapper? Because it's such a different thing. Man, it's so, it's so different. Mm. Like... Even battle rap, rapping, and spoken word poetry are all different things. Like, you got to have different skill sets. Like, trying to take somebody in the poetry world and put them in the rap world, they try to rap, but in a poetic way. And it's your delivery is just completely different. Have or, you ever seen it work? Or is there anyone that I'm not thinking of who stands out as people that, like, came from the poetry scene and then became really popular as rappers? Or is it usually kind of separate? Uh, not that I know of, like, only one I could, I could think of is probably, like, most deaf. True. But I don't even know if he started with poetry first. He just seems like he would. Because <laughs> he hosted like the he wrote show. Some poetry. Yeah. <laughs> Death Poetry Champ. Like, yeah. Maybe, but nah. I can I always see rappers being able to do poetry and spoken word, but, mm. but I, I mean, I guess so. Like, I started out in poetry first. You seem too nice to be a battle rapper. I am. Was that actually why it didn't work? Did you ever try that? Would I ever try Or it? did you ever try? I just feel like that is just such a, it's the most testosterone-fueled, nah. aggressive shit on earth. Yeah, I'm way too nice. You got to, like, there ain't no rules in that. You can't worry about hurting nobody's feelings. And I'd be like, man, I'd be trying. I probably could write a great battle rap for somebody else. Mm. It's something I never said. I'd be like, dang, that might be too hard. I saw a battle where a girl pulled out the, a photo of the other girl's bed. And it was just like the nastiest bed. She's like, this is your bed. And it was like, and everyone in the crowd was, oh, and everyone oh just God. went with it. And I was just like, man, that's crazy. Because if that's not her bed, and it's just a picture of a random bed, and everyone just believed it, because why the fuck would you have a photo of a random Her ass bed. person's bed? I'm genius. like, that is genius. <laughs> Yo, straight up. Because once you got them, you got them, man. Yeah. I could probably batter rap today, though. My confidence is a little different. Or if somebody dissed you like really good that you now just that, wanted to yeah. wash them. I, I practice those in my head every day. Really? Yes. When I'm driving, when I'm in the shower, I battle people in my head. Oh, my God. It would be it's such a gift. Sharp. If somebody whacked this, you, it would be just the biggest gift. Not even <laughs> whacked, just somebody in general. Yes. I mean, it'd be fun. You know, it would be something I would like to, you know, partake in. Yeah. It's, for it's, the sport. It's weird that we live in this world, though, where nobody really talks shit on each other because... Everybody wants to keep the peace because they know that someone will write a song about them. <laughs> They'll yeah, be on TMZ they ain't every day. ready for the battle. Yeah, you got to really be cut from the cloth and secure. Mm. Everybody ain't really secure. Yeah, you know when it comes to like really doing it. 
because that exposes all your deep, deepest, darkest shit. They're going to pull up everything you ever, like, you know, it's just, oh, I just think about how it's just a, a war of just egos yes. up there on stage and just trying to just smash the other person. Like the best, most devastating battles are the ones where the dude's actually like crying or like <laughs> ashamed, like hanging his head. and Like that's what you, that's what you want to see. It's a brutal art form. Yes, that or it's just like they go blank. Mm. That's when you know you got them. But, you didn't get too deep in that though. Nah, nah, not at oh. all. So how do you like fast forward to meeting Ninth Wonder and him actually taking serious enough that he wanted to work with you on that level? Is there like how far do we have to go to get to that point? Because that's incredible. Let me see. Okay, I get to college and I ain't gonna say what year, but <laughs> I met Ninth the summer of 2005 for the first time. Okay. Um, and he's just like the local god at that point because he's got to be like the biggest name no, in that scene, local right? God. Like, because at this time he's coming off a black album, uh, Mary J. Blige. Um, Probably nobody Destiny's in North child. Carolina had anyone talking as much as he did at that no, time. No, he was he was the the god. Um, J. Cole hadn't popped yet, so mm. it was it was ninth. Like he was the biggest thing in hip hop to come from there. Um, so I meet him in two thousand and five. You know, randomly at this time, the summer before is when I write and record my first two songs ever. Like, I'm writing poetry at the time, like maybe some verses here, but to write a full song and record it, like, I probably did it two months before I met him. And okay. he hears these these two songs, which I'm like, it ain't nothing that's probably going to impress him. You know, I'm happy with it, but, you know, he, he listens to it. And he runs it back maybe like five to seven times. Really? And I'm thinking like he's probably gonna nitpick it and tell me like you need to do this and that. He he looks up and he says that's your star. And it's a room full of guys like you know all my friends that are in the hip hop organization. Charlie Smarts is there, and he says this is your star. Wow. Yeah. Um. And after that, you know. I don't, he gives me homework. That's what he does. He gives me homework to work on my flow. Cause again, like I'm lyrical, but the flow needs some work. Inflection needs some work. So he tells me, listen to boop, 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 these albums and listen to how they're saying it, not necessarily what they're saying. Uh. So I did that. I probably did that for like three months consistently. Like at, it was at a point where I could get in the shower and rap the very first word to the very first song of the black album to the very last one. Wow. I would do that all the way through. Um, and, you know, he keeps in touch, you know, uh, just to check in on us. Let's just come to the studio, watch Little Brother record sometimes. And, you know, he just continues to take me under his wing, give me lessons. You know, then he goes to Central. He gets his own studio. So we start hanging up there, hanging out there. And um, I get a manager and he's like, well, what are your short term and long term goals? And I'm like, well, I hear Knife is starting a label. Like, you know, I love to be a part of it. So, so yeah. you you had been a little too scared to mention that to him directly beforehand. You just ended up saying it to the manager. I just never thought about it, you know. Mm. Like I'm just I think I'm so focused on working on the music and the homework, and you know he just presented the question like, "What are your goals?" And I'm just like, "With that, let me think about it." I mean, I've been working with Knife. I heard he's starting a label. I love to be a part of it. So we have a meeting, and Knife is like, "Yeah, I love to have you." And this was 2009, and he officially announced the label. Sometime after, sometime later that year. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. And did you 
was it a scenario where you were sort of like rushing to get stuff out or was it a scenario where you wanted to like be incubated for a long time and just really try to build up your skill set before you revealed yourself to the world i think it was more so i didn't know what to do Uh i didn't know where to start so for him just to give me homework like that was enough for me to focus on to figure it out like i knew i wanted to do a project you know, I wanted to put something out, but I, I wanted to do it right. So I didn't know how to start. So whatever he told me to do, I did it. It uh-huh. didn't matter what it is, what it was. You know, I'd come in and do songs. He'd be like, write it over. I write it over. Um, and I probably was developing in the beginning before I, I was allowed, not allowed, but able to even put out my first project for two years. You know, I probably did three or four hundred songs. None of them will see the light of day, but it was all just development. But you saw the value in that. Was that in any way frustrating? Because a lot of rappers get into that position. They got to work on their craft for two years, and it drives them insane. No, not for me, because um, you knew you I were didn't have an better. ego. Yeah, and I, I knew I wasn't as good as everybody else. Right. So I wasn't in no rush. Like I didn't feel like it was even time for me yet. Um, there were so many people that were in and out of that studio and they were so dope. And I was just like, man. So the frustrating part of me was with myself, like, dang, why can't I ever consistently learn about cadence and keep it? Like, why am I always just going off of the cadence? You know, why can't I learn to write good hooks? Why are my hooks sucking? You know, so it was more frustration with me of just wanting to be better. Um, I necessarily wasn't worried about like, oh, I need to get this project out. Why is this taking so long? My frustration is like, I got to get these these things. Knife told me to mark off the checklist to master to be a great MC. I got to get this right. So that was the thing I was focusing on. I feel like you're like the last generation that might have grown up with that sort of mind state. Yeah. I don't I don't hear anything like that from a lot, a lot of the young <laughs> artists real? I talk to. Man, I don't know. I play sports too, so that might have had something to do with it. Mm. Like, you know, I think that What do you play? I play basketball. So, I learned so every a lot of things I learned through basketball I was able to apply to, to apply to music like about work ethic. Um I was always the first to practice, last to leave. I was team captain, you know, uh so the same thing with the studio. If ninth got there at four, I would get there at four. But if he stayed till five in the morning, I'm staying till eight in the morning. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever he did, I had to do more of. Right. You know, how are you, ninth wonder, who's working, got a Grammy nomination, work with Jay, Mary, all these people. And if you working as much, and I know I need to work ten times harder than that. So that was, like, my thing. Um, and that I knew that in order to get better, I had to practice. Mm. It's like shooting free throws. Right. So that that was always my mind state. That's just crazy because I feel like that is how I try. That's what I want to try to explain to like young artists when I'm talking to them is like my advice for you is don't make three songs and put them on SoundCloud and then just start <laughs> pushing them and acting like you're a real rapper right now. It's like you should make <laughs> right. 30 songs and you should be able to look at the first one and then look at the last one and see serious dem- demonst- demonstrable uh, <laughs> results. I hate that that's how you're supposed to say that word. It's supposed, to me, it seems like it should be demonstrable, but whatever. Um, you should be able to see the progress and you should be going out and you should be meeting people, not necessarily with the intention of just promoting your stuff, but you yeah. should be linking with producers and engineers or like the types of people who can really guide your sound and like really like make you have something that will be better, you know, and, and mm-hmm. even just learning to actually rap, like the physical act of rapping is something that you're just, you're, you're not going to be in peak form. On your first song. There's no way, bro. And that's why it's frustrating that some people do have big hits off their first song. But that is a freak accident. And, and we hard see. Hard to explain. That'd be the only thing they have.
Quite often. So yeah. it's just like if that's what you want, you better get it and hope you got a plan to do something because it's not gonna last long. Mm. But you know, yeah, that's exactly it. Like when people ask me for advice, those are always the things that I tell them. Like you got to be patient with yourself. You got to be honest with your music. You have to celebrate every win. Like Knife always told me, if you put out a song and today it gets five and tomorrow it might have ten plays and that's a win because people are listening to your music. If you put out and it, you get five songs one day and three the next, then you got to be like, something ain't right. I got to get back. So you celebrate the wins. You put in your 10,000 hours. You build relationships because they matter sometimes more than the music, like mm. the relationships you build. Um, those are going to be the people that you call up or people that see you and are going to support you that are going to be, you know, CEOs of labels one day or going to be at Spotify curating playlists and you build a relationship with them. And they follow your career. And now you're at the time they at the time of your artistry where it's like, yo, you could be on this joint. I've known you. I've watched your grind. I like you as a person. So I'm, I'm going to look out for you. Like all of those things are important. And too, like I was uh, I was with Reason last night. And we was talking about, you know, just albums and sequencing. And, you know, we started on a conversation of people don't even, like a lot of artists today don't even work with producers to executive produce their projects. Mm. Like you get albums and they have good songs, but the sequencing is so out of whack that it's just like it throws the album off. So it's just so much that goes into making music and a lot of times just humbling yourself and not having an ego and allowing people to help you and right. help yourself. Like It's interesting because you came out at sort of sort of like a weird time where the music industry was in a real state of flux yeah where the albums were over albums weren't really selling the way that they used to there was like the mixtape scene was kind of doing something for a period of time mm -hmm. and then there was this sort of like weird time period where everybody's just listening to mp3s on blogs and stuff and people haven't <laughs> fully like adjusted over to streaming, streaming. and now that landscape is super solidified and it's like very like commonly understood thing um has that been odd for you to sort of navigate because you came into the the, the music game at a time when there was like very little of a established blueprint for how you're going to be a successful rapper yeah like i remember being in it we are the middle children and just trying to figure out like yo how is anybody gonna eat because it was a time where like nobody's buying cds anymore but everything is you know pretty much for free mm. the soundcloud is, is mp3 so unless you're like a, a crazy pop artist hi that's when everybody was doing 360 deals too you know so that's when that was invented yeah that was a big thing so for me it was just like okay i got a tour and i gotta figure out a way to sell merch and you know to make money but if, if anything like I just need my music to go crazy from somewhere. Like it was all about YouTube views at that time mm. and getting signed. So it was, it was just hard to figure out. Like, I don't really even know where this is going, let alone where I fit in it because the sound of music, like there was really no space for lyrical artists, you know, mm. on that big of a side. Like at this time, it's trying to like black hippie just kind of pop in. J Cole mixtapes are doing good, but you know, it still hasn't, it is not at the forefront of the sound. So it was just a, a really, like, feeling through the dark black time. Like, man, I don't know what we going to do. And, you know, even with streaming, you could stream stuff, but they really didn't know how to monetize it mm. at that time, too. So, you know, just trying to figure it out. But, you know, you got to have blind faith at this point that it's just going to, you just got to stick with it and keep going and just see how it grows. Like, I don't know. Definitely. was As a fan, was it 
crazy watching J. Cole's rise and see him get as big as he's gotten, just as a North, a North Carolina person? Um, it was inspiring, mm. you know, and to know, like you say, like, he did it off the mixtape scenes. Like, right. He's probably the last one to really do it off mixtapes like that. Like, for real mixtapes where, you know, when I did a mixtape, they were all, like, beats of mine that producers made. Like, they were pretty much albums almost. Mm -hmm. But he, he used to still do industry beats and rap over those. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, And it, it was just dope to see him do that and to sign with Jay-Z and Rockefeller to be from North Carolina and do that. Like, it was inspiring. It was super inspiring. Like Yeah. That's so wild. Well, you know, the first time I think I ever became aware of you was when you did that video with Mac Miller. I tell people, like, a lot of the the foundation of my fan base on Mac Miller fans. Really? Yeah, like, my career, it would not have been the same without him. So like, that was a big moment. How did you even huge. get connected to him? He um he drove down with, you know, the most dope crew, Jimmy, Tree J, Q. And this they is drove, super early before he's real big? Yeah, I mean, at the time, he's like starting his his bubble like at this time he's his videos are getting millions of plays and right. he's probably doing shows at this time between 500 and 1000 people. And Mac is a crazy example of somebody who came up off mixtapes and even got sued for he was like yeah. that that dude who got sued for back, rapping right? over somebody's beat. Yeah. That's crazy like this this helped monetize your career so we're going to figure out a way to get it like And and every every rap that? fan is just like, "Whoa, like they can do that? What the like, fuck?" Like we've been doing this forever <laughs> like what are you talking about? It seems everything seems so simple up until this moment where we realize you can get sued for that. Yeah, but you know the music business is hurting. They trying to figure out anyway at this point to get mm -hmm. money to figure it out so um but yeah they drove down to north carolina in a station wagon like mac's a big fan of knives i think crisis had reached out so they came to work and that's how i met him because i was a studio rat always in the studio mm -hmm. um if i wasn't recording i was still in there if we had a guest i was watching i was learning i was asking questions so he came and i was just in there and you know you know it, you probably you know mac you knew mac um of course i didn't know him personally, personally but, but he he had like been around my store and stuff like in the weeks or months before he passed which is like really like a huge bummer that like a bunch mm -hmm. of my friends got to meet him this one night that i wasn't there but yeah i was always a fan and everything oh, okay. yeah well, i mean what you saw is you get like super lovable love people love good energy it was all about having fun so it was just easy to connect with him and he was a big fan of the culture, so I was working on, I was working on uh, my first mixtape, Return of the Beat Girl, and he listened to it and he liked it. You know, um, he did a song with me, and he left. And two weeks later, he called Knife. He was like, "Yo, I like Rhapsody. I want to bring it on tour." Wow! Like straight like that. Like if he liked you, he liked you. If he thought you was dope, he was gonna give you a chance. And I ain't, I'm not. I know I'm not the only one that has a story like that. He's taken so many artists, you know, that had a, were at the beginning of their career like me, and just gave them a platform or shared his platform with them to put them on. So, you know, doing a doing a song with me, taking me on tour, doing a video with me at the time, like his videos again and get millions of views. You know, that's how I, I got a large portion of my fan base through him because wow. anything he was on people were going to listen to uh -huh. it didn't matter what it was so that helped you really get in the door definitely wow that's so cool yeah damn 
so I mean, it's kind of fast forward ahead in your whole thing. But did you guys stay in touch and like up through his life? And and what was your relationship with him when he passed? Yeah, um, we it wasn't like we talked every every day, but you know he would come back to North Carolina a lot, so I'd always see him then. Or you know, we either we would DM each other, or you know I'd hit him every now and again, like "What's up? How you doing?" Just checking in. It wasn't like we could go six months without talking sometimes. And he he still come to North Carolina. You pick up where you left off, like. <laughs> He come to the studio. He always bring a bunch of girls, <laughs> you know. But you know, he's one of those dudes that when he passes, like a million girls writing Instagram posts about it. Oh man, <laughs> you know. But it was crazy when he came to the studio. He was really about the music. Like all the all the guys with him would be with the girls, but he would always be in the studio working. Mm. Like never a part of that. So, but he just liked to have good people and fun around him, um, energy around him. So before he, when he passed, um, I think the the last time I remember talking to him, I had just missed him. It was the Smokers Club Festival. Right. And um, I was in the trailer doing an interview, and Knife had went to see, I can't remember who was performing at the time, but Mac was out there. And I hate that I missed him because, you know, Mac asked about you, Knife told me. I was like, dang. But before that, the last time I remember uh, was Complexion. I did complexion and he hit me. He was like, "Yo, that verse is crazy. Like, it's ill that you on that album. Like, that's the last time I remember like us having a conversation. Conversation. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you? Did you ever get to a point in your life where you were partying too hard or or anything like that? Because I feel like when I think about the Mac Miller situation, it makes me feel like the, I feel like that about plenty of my friends. I feel like they party too hard. And I'm not being the loyal, attentive friend that I could potentially be. You know, everybody's so busy, but it's like sometimes you see people who maybe it feels like I should reach out more often. Yeah. You know? Um, we we definitely reached out to him. Like, we, we knew he was struggling with some things. And it's tough, like, to be that young and be that successful that fast where, you know, you get all this money and you have anything at your expense disposal mm. and you move to LA you know with your homies like and all of a sudden you're dating Ariana Grande yeah. and then she makes an album about you right. and shit like life moves so fast you know and you you still so young and still trying to figure it out you always don't know how to handle it all when it comes that fast to you so you know I get it like he's human um I can remember knife you know having a conversation you know he was open about his struggles too so it was just it was just it's crazy but it was at a time where you know you thought he was doing better or you know you know like this is mac but it i don't know like you see it but what can you do like what 